Thank you, Tom. Tom was one of my favorite singers, but also he's one of my favorite Bible teachers. He's a tremendous teacher of God's Word. If you don't have a Sunday school class, you attend. I encourage you to go to his. He's an outstanding teacher of God's Word. All right, turn your Bibles again to John chapter 14, please. John and chapter 14, please. When I was in Bible college, in fact, uh, I went to Bible college with Tom. He'll recognize this name. There was a professor there, the vice president by the name of Dr. Mark Cameron. He had a ministry in Miami, Florida called uh, uh, Miami Rescue Mission, not Miami Mission. No, what it was? Seaside Missions. <laughs> Seaside Missions, a ministry to reach Jewish people for Christ. It was an outreach to the Jewish community in Miami, and he re- led many Jewish people to the Lord. I was a bus driver for that ministry. I drove a van around the community to pick up these people to bring them to the Bible study. And many Jewish people come to know Jesus as their Messiah because of that ministry. There was one lady that came and got saved and just was so excited about her salvation. She had a really burden for her husband and asked him to come every week to the Bible study. And he just uh, didn't want to come. In fact, she uh, begged him and uh, constantly uh, encouraged him to come. And basically he said, I don't want to come to your Bible study, but I'll be happy to meet with this man that's leading the Bible study for lunch. So they set up a lunch together, and Dr. Mark Cameron went to this place, and he, in fact, he got there a little early and waited for this gentleman. And notice as gentleman pulled up, he pulled up in a uh, six-figure Mercedes Benz. This is back in the 70s. And this man was very wealthy, very wealthy, very successful in business. And put up in his Mercedes Benz, walked up, and he had probably a thousand dollar suit on. He had a Rolex watch. He had jewelry. In fact, he had diamond uh, cufflinks. Just man, he just oozed with money, and he was very successful. And so he, when they sat down, ate lunch together, and did a little small talk. And then this man began to tell Dr. Cameron all that he had accumulated in life and everything he possessed because of all his money. And after about 15 minutes of sharing with Dr. Cameron all that he had, and he says, now tell me, Dr. Cameron, what can this Jesus give me that I don't already have? (laughs) Dr. Cameron says, I tell you what he can give you, peace. And the man just sat there and looked for a moment, and his eyes began to water, and he says, I don't have peace. I have everything this world can offer me, but I don't have peace. And he come to trust Christ as his Messiah because of that. My question to you, uh, friend, do you have peace? Do you have peace? Here in John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking. By the way, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. He says there in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But this is saying on an individual level, this peace unknown to the unsaved secures composure in troubles and dissolves all fear. In fact, let me give a definition of peace in the Bible. The peace, the tranquil state of a soul assured of his salvation through Christ and content with his earthly lot, whatever sort it is. In other words, the peace that God gives consists of assurance and contentment. Assurance of salvation when you die, you'll go to heaven and content with the earthly lot condition you have in this life. So you, this world can be full of turmoil. Your life can be falling apart, but you can still have a peace that passes all understanding in your heart. 
In fact, the peace, the Bible says, actually will guard your emotions and your thoughts is the peace of God. And notice Christ says, it's my peace that I give unto you. So this morning, I'd like to talk about the biblical principle of peace. I'd like to begin to talk about, number one, the peace with God. Peace with God. A familiar verse I put on the screen, we're not having you to turn to, but Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, being justified, it means declared righteous by faith, we have what? Peace. If you don't mind, circle the word with. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, through faith, we come into a right, righteous position before God, a right standing before God. As a result of that, the Bible says you can have peace with God. Every believer has peace with God. Turn with me now to the book of Colossians, please. Colossians chapter 1, page 1657. Colossians chapter 1, in verse 20. Here it talks about peace that's provided for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we call peace with God. As you're turning there, one thing I like, I like old westerns. The westerns back in the 50s and 60s. I remember one western, this man pulled his gun out, he's going to shoot somebody. And he said, my friend, you better make peace with God. And so how does a person make peace with God? And it's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, this peace is achieved through the blood of Christ. This peace is achieved through the blood of Christ. Verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. So I am coming to a place of peace with the God of heaven, not because of anything I do, not any promises I make, not anything I achieve, but rather through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice and the shedding of his blood on the cross, achieved through the blood of Christ. But it goes on to say the results of this, the sinner is reconciled to God. The result is a sinner's reconciliation to God. Look in the latter part of verse 20. It says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross, and by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, rather they be things of earth or things in heaven. And again, the latter part of verse 21 says, Yet now hath he reconciled. This verse bears out that all creation was affected by the fall of Adam. In his sacrifice on the cross, he'll reconcile all things, even creation itself, to himself. But the word reconcile means to be brought back into a right relationship with God. And peace is achieved through the, the blood of Christ, results in the sinner's reconciliation to God. And now, the reason why we need to be, have peace with God is it says there in verse 21, it says, We were alienated from God. In our unsaved condition, every unbeliever is alienated from God. The word alienated means to estrange, to be shut out from God's blessings, God's fellowship, and God's intimacy. It says in verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated. Because of our sin, we were set apart. We were alienated from God because of our sin. And also, I love Ephesians 2.13. I'm not sure that would be on the screen. But it says this, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That word afar off, mean made nigh, means squeezed up close. 
My friend, we that once were far off, estranged from God, can be squeezed up to him by the blood of Christ. We were alienated. Another reason we need to have peace with God, we were enemies of God. In our unsaved state, we were enemies of God. The latter part of verse 21, it says here, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath reconciled because of our sin and wicked deeds. We were alienated and enemies of God, but because of the blood of Christ, my friend, we're squeezed up close and we're reconciled to God uh, and peace is achieved with him. But the third thing, that the peace is not only achieved through the blood of Christ, re- results in the sinner's reconciliation, but also accomplished through the death of Christ. Accomplished through the death of Christ. It says there again in verse 21, and you hath he said, you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Notice that it continues in verse 22, in the body of his flesh through what? Through death, to present you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight. In other words, because the sacrifice of Christ, his shed blood on the cross, we that once were alienated from God, strangers and uh, enemies of God, he, we are now squeezed up close to God and now have peace with God. In fact, Ephesians 2.14 says, For he is our peace. The first biblical principle of peace is the peace with God. Let me give you another one now. The peace of God. The peace of God. The Christian, every believer has peace with God by their faith in Christ. But sad to say, not all believers have the peace of God. This peace of God is God's peace given to us. Remember Jesus said in our verse we begin with, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. The very peace of God is imparted to the believer. We're going to talk about that now. The second principle of peace. First of all, go with me now to Philippians chapter 4, please. Here it talks about the peace of God. Philippians 4, page 1655. This is the peace that the world's longing for, that cries out for, that looks to possessions and things in the world to try to gain, but cannot find it outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. So through faith, I have attained peace with God. But now notice here, it talks about the very peace of God. And now we have three conditions here given to us in this passage of Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Three conditions to experience the peace of God. The first one, letter A, write it down, is right praying. Right praying. I can obtain the very peace of God in my life through right praying. It says there in verse 6, it gives us the ingredients of right praying. Verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. What does that mean, be careful for nothing? Does that mean that when you're out doing something, not to be careful? No, the word careful means don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. You know, many, some of the worst worriers in the world are Christians. They worry about everything. God says, don't do that. The Bible says, cast all your cares, your worries upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. So he begins by saying, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So right praying consists of three things. First of all, adoration. Adoration. When he says, in everything, 
by prayer. The word prayer literally means worship and adoration. When you pray, how do you begin when you pray? So many of us come into God's presence, Lord, I need this. Lord, I want this. I need this so bad. And there's nothing wrong we're going to talk about in a moment how to pray for your personal needs. But when you come into God's presence, you ought to come with worship, with adoration, and just adoring the God that you have. How many are grateful for the God that we have? Come in his presence and say, God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love, your compassion, your faithfulness. What a wonderful God that you have. And then after that, then talk about your needs. Dads, if a son comes to you and all he comes to you is, Dad, I need this, I want that. But I'm sure he'd get a better listener and he'd come and say, Dad, you're the greatest dad in all the world. Oh, Dad, there's no dad like you. I'm so grateful for all you care for me, you provide for me, you protect me. What a great dad you are. I'm not talking about buttering him up. I'm just saying, when you come to God, show your appreciation. Tell him how wonderful he is. So much of the Bible talks about how wonderful our God is. So the first ingredient of right praying is adoration. In Matthew chapter 6, we have the Lord's Prayer. It says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We said, our Father, that's a form of worship. We were once enemies of God. Now we can call God Father. It's a way we can show adoration to our God. He said, hallowed be the name. That's reverence. Holy is thy name. So when you come into God's presence, come with worship, with adoration, with reverence because of who he is. Number two, the second ingredient of right praying is supplication. Adoration, number one, and supplication. He goes on to say, in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is crying out for one's personal needs. And he said, what about praying for others? That's called intercession. We should pray for others, but there's nothing wrong praying for your own personal needs. And the the Bible says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Praying for personal needs, that's supplication. Where we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Number three, the third ingredient of right praying is appreciation. Appreciation, adoration, supplication, now appreciation. It says, in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. You ever thank God for what he's done for you? That ought to be most of our prayer. Lord, thank you so much for saving me. How many grateful that you're not going to hell? That that ought to be shouting time because uh, what he did for us. Thank him. In fact, the Bible said the word thanksgiving means gratitude, appreciation. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray, that, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So we're told to give thanks for all things and in everything. What a wonderful God we have. So the three key ingredients of right praying, adoration, supplication, appreciation. Now, let me give you the results of right praying. This is verse 7, our key verse, verse 7. The results of right praying, it says, verse 7, and the peace of God, circle the word of. Now, we already saw peace with God that comes by faith in Christ. Here's the peace of God. Notice this peace, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The word passes means to transcend, exceed, surpasses human understanding. The unsaved person look at you and say, you know, I see you have a lot of problems, but I see something there I don't have. You have peace. 
I don't understand it because it passes all human understanding. It's basically beyond man's ability to comprehend. But it goes on to say, pass all understanding, shall keep. The word keep is a military term. has the idea of a, a soldier guarding, shall keep your hearts and minds, your emotions and thoughts of God's children. In other words, you can, again, your life can be falling apart. But deep down inside, you can have peace that passes all understanding. And that peace will guard your emotions, guard your thoughts, because the wonderful peace it is, that's the peace of God. And that's obtained by right praying. The second component of having peace with God is also right thinking. Right thinking. These are conditions to experience the peace of God, right praying, right thinking. Now look in verse 8. Verse 8. Paul said, finally, brethren. Notice all the words it says here we are to think upon. Verse 8. Finally, brethren. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's it say next? Think on. Think on these things. So what do you think on during the day? Does the, do these words describe that? Is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it a good report? Think on these things. And he said, Pastor, what is it I can think on that qualifies all these characteristics? Let me give you two of them. Hope you write them down. Two things that should focus our thoughts on. Number one, the Word of God. The Word of God. In fact, I'm going to show you a verse that tells us God's Word fulfills all the things that Paul tells us to think on here in Philippians verse 8 there. Go with me now. Keep your finger in Philippians. Go now to Psalm 19, please. Psalm 19. Chapter 19, verse 7, page 836. Page 836, if you're using the Bible. We're going back to Philippians. Peace of God composes of right praying and right thinking. Our thoughts should be centered, composed of the word of God. Look here in Psalm 19. See if there's not sound like the same words that Paul mentioned there in Philippians. He gives us several different words describing the Bible. It said, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's very similar to words that Paul told us to think upon in Philippians. So basically he's saying here, meditation on the word always brings peace. Meditation on the word always brings peace. Let me give you a few scriptures. I believe it'll be on the screen. Proverbs 3, verse 1. It says, My son, forget not thy law. Talking about God's word. But let thy heart, that means thy thoughts, keep my commandments for length of days and long life and what? Peace shall they add to thee. Wow. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend thee. If you would please keep your finger in Philippians. Go down to Colossians, please. 
Colossians chapter 3. Again, we're talking about the focus of our thoughts to enable us to have peace, the peace of God. Our hearts should focus upon the word of God. Colossians 3, page 1659. I find that usually what I focus on when I first get up in the morning, sometimes with a scripture, sometimes a music, I find that I think about all day long. Have you ever been driving to work and turn on the radio and you find yourself humming that song all day long? Our thoughts should be on the word of God, humming God's word, or good Christian music. First Baptist Church, we stand for good conservative Christian music. Music that we can meditate upon that focuses and draws our thoughts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look here in Colossians chapter 3 and look for the word peace again, that idea of peace of God. Verse 15, and said, so let the what? Peace of God, not peace with God, the peace of God rule means control in your hearts. How? Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you, what? Richly. When God's word dwells in me abundantly richly, my friend, it brings the great peace of God in my life. So thinking on God's word, the second thought thing about we should think upon, not only the God, word of God, but next, the God of the word. The God of the word. This is the thought process we should have. Our, should consume our thoughts to bring right kind of thinking. Focus on the word of God, but now the God of the word. A verse many of you know, I would have us turn there, but you probably know already. I'll put it on the screen, but I love this verse. Isaiah 26, 3. God says, Thou shalt keep them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed where? On money. I'm sorry, did I say that? <laughs> Who stayed on possessions. Who stayed on other people. Who stayed where? On thee, because he trusteth in thee. Interesting, that word perfect means complete or genuine. People who trust in the Lord enjoy perfect peace. Having this inner tranquility encourages them to continue trusting the Lord. It says in verse 4, trusting in the Lord forever for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So basically, my thoughts are to consume with the word of God and the God of the word. I shall have perfect peace and I shall experience the very peace of God. So we're talking about the components of the peace of God, right praying, right thinking, and next, right living. Right living. Look in, go back now to Philippians, please. In verse 9, right living. Living a life that's pleasing to the Lord brings great peace, his peace in our life. It said, verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's the next word say? Do. Now, verse 8 says think. Verse 9 says do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Not only do I have the peace of God, but the God of peace. I can have my life through right praying, through right thinking, and now right living. Right living always brings peace. Listen to this verse. In fact, it's on the screen. I love this verse. Psalm 37, 37. Mark the perfect man. The word perfect means a man of integrity. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. The end of that man is what? Peace. Right living always brings peace. Now go with me to Isaiah, please. Here, if you don't get any verse, get this verse. Turn with me to Isaiah 32, please. 
This verse would be worth every bit of the money you paid to get here today. <laughs> Isaiah 32, page 1020, 1020. Isaiah 32. Talking about right living and how that brings peace in our lives. Sin robs us of peace. Righteousness brings peace. Isaiah 32:17, please. Isaiah 32:17. Isaiah said, verse 17, the work of what? Righteousness, right living, shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance, what? In the midst of a storm, I can have assurance, I can have quietness, I can have peace, as long as I'm living right before God. Go now to Isaiah 48, please. Isaiah 48. Another wonderful verse. I believe this is where the song we sing is, Well, my soul is in peace like a river. Notice that it comes from this verse here. Isaiah 48, when peace like a river comes to my soul. Isaiah 48, verse 18. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace as a river and thy righteousness as waves of the sea. What he's saying here, in the midst of all storms, I can be overwhelmed in a flood of peace in my soul as long as I'm praying right, thinking right, and living right. Three components, ingredients of the, having the peace of God. Look over, please. We're just about done. We're talking about the principle of peace. The first one was the peace with God. That comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not all those who have the peace with God have the very peace of God. So Christian, here you've already made peace with God. You've trusted Christ. But do you have God's peace? Are you experiencing peace amidst the storms that life brings away? That comes through three ways. What are the three components? Right praying, right thinking, and right living. Number three, and we'll close with this. Experiencing Peace from God. Two sources. Two sources in Scripture to experience peace from God. And salvation is God's grace. And salvation is God's grace. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul said this. He said to the Philippian church, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a homework assignment. In most of the Apostle Paul's epistles, Romans... Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy. You'll find this beginning where he says, Grace and peace be unto you. You cannot experience the peace of God without first experiencing the grace of God. Last week we talked about grace. Remember that? And the first one was God's saving grace. If I want peace with God and ultimately experience the peace of God, I need to experience the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. If you're here today and you don't have peace with God, I find God's grace is available to you. What does grace mean? God's undeserved, unmerited favor. It's favor God bestows upon those who deserve just the opposite. What do we deserve? As sinners, we deserve judgment, wrath, condemnation. But God, by his grace, said, I'll give you forgiveness and a home in heaven, eternal life. 
and that comes by grace. And by his grace, I can be saved, and by being saved, I can have peace with God. So the first thing you need to get, the source of peace from God is grace. The next one, in the Christian life, life of the Christian is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Many of you know this verse already, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what's the third one? Peace. The fruit of the Spirit is the byproduct of being controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. As a believer, when I allow the Holy Spirit to control my life, one of the results is peace. So, do you have peace with God? If not, trust Christ as Savior. Christian, do you have the peace of God? Christ says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. You can't find it in the world. You only find it in Christ. So let's wrap it up. The first, we're talking about the principles of peace. Peace with God, achieved through the blood of Christ, results in the sinner's reconciliation, accomplished through the death of Christ. Second, the peace of God. Three conditions to experience this peace. Right praying, right thinking, right living. And to experience peace from God, two sources, in salvation, God's grace, in the Christian life, the Holy Spirit. Close your Bibles, please. Look up here. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss us. We're going to be baptized. If you're planning to be baptized, go ahead and dismiss yourself. Prepare for that. This morning, I've been talking about something the world's longing for. The world is looking for. They're trying to find it in everything this world has to offer, and they can't find it. Like that man, Dr. Cameron, led to Christ. He had everything the world had to offer but peace. He was the envy of the world, of his possessions. Very wealthy, had it all. But he lacked peace. And praise the Lord, he received Jesus as the Prince of Peace, as the Savior. So my question to you this morning, first of all, have you ever accepted Christ to be your Savior? Has there ever been a time in your life that you understood that you're a sinner in the need of a Savior? If not, why not trust him today? My friend, you can make peace with God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are saved, Christian, can you say that you're experiencing the very peace of God? It's full of problems, is it not? We are not immune from difficulties. But in the midst of the most difficult storms of life, I can experience, I can have the very peace that passes all understanding. A peace that will guard my emotions, guard my thoughts. It comes from the Lord. It comes by right praying, right thinking, and right living. I encourage you, if God spoke to your heart as a Christian, that you'll make some of those right in your life. But I want to close with this and with a prayer. Is This is a closing that Paul gave in Thessalonians. I like to close with this. I believe it will be on the screen. In fact, it's already gone. There it is up there. It says, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3.16 now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. I pray that for you also. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, this morning I've been speaking primarily to those of you that know Christ. Those of you that have already made your peace with God. You've trusted Christ as Savior. But maybe you're here today and you have not even obtained that in your life. You desire peace yourself. But the peace of God is preceded by making peace with God. 
And you do that by trusting Christ to be your personal Savior. To first of all, to acknowledge that you're a sinner. As a sinner, you deserve and have earned the judgment of a holy God. As a sinner, you can do nothing to save yourself. Your works, your behavior cannot save you, cannot merit favor with God. But realize that when Christ died, he died for you. He died on the cross, shed his precious blood. And you can make peace with God through what he did for you. You, but it's your part simply to receive him as your savior, to trust him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, to save you and forgive you and give you eternal life. If, my friend, if you have never done that before, why not do it right now? Right where you're sitting, within this sanctuary or watching by live stream, if you have never trusted Christ, do it right now. Pastor, I like to do that, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Why not talk to God in your own thoughts? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, talk to God and say something like this. Dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus, your son, was punished and he was judged in my place. I believe when he died, he died for me. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again. And right here today, realizing I cannot save myself. I'm trusting Christ to save me, forgive me, and give me eternal life. I'm trusting him to give me peace with God and ultimately to give me the very peace of God. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, did that make sense to you? Did you trust Christ to be your Savior this morning? If you did, I'd like to know that. I'd like to pray for you. I really get excited when I see someone else understand the gospel, and receive Christ as your Savior. If you did that today, and allow me to simply pray for you. I'm not going to point you out or have you forward. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Just like to include you in the closing prayer. But if you pray to receive Christ as your Savior today, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we simply raise your hand real high so I can pray for you? Anyone all? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ. Would you pray for me this morning? Anywhere at all? All right, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Christian, you've already made peace with God. But do you have the very peace of God, the peace that he longs to give you? I encourage you, if things are not right in your prayer life, in your thoughts, where you're living, that you'll make that right at this time. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can have peace with the very God of heaven, the creator of the universe. And then after that, we can experience the peace that you enjoy can be imparted to us because of your word. Father, help us as Christians, to keep our thoughts on your word and on you yourself because you're the God of all peace. In Christ's name we pray, amen.